I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, chat about the win against Huddersfield and look ahead to Coventry. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast in this as I borrow my stay chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and the most unluckiest away fan in football, Matt Rowney. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Bora Bora podcast that gives you all Bora Master Chai in a podcast. And Bora, uh, three points off the playoffs once again. I keep, feel like I keep saying that every single uh, point with a win uh, last night against Huddersfield and we also lost against Rotherham. But I'm not going to mention it in this podcast because I forgot that game existed uh, but guys key takeouts uh from the week matt i'll come to you first what, what's your key takeout from the week i can't believe you got that in as early as you did but fair play <laughs> i didn't expect it uh well key takeaways we are a very weird team i don't want to mention rotherham but because i was there and i'm not going to go there but i just find it incredibly crazy that we can play rather well against the Rotherham side and lose and then go against, go to Huddersfield a few days later, play quite a bit worse and find a way to win. And I think that's both the perfect definition of Middlesbrough Football Club, but it's also the perfect, I guess, definition of the championship and what it's like and how hard it is to be consistent in this league and pick up results week in, week out because these these crazy things can happen. But looking at the, the Huddersfield result, I think it... it to have picked up nothing from both Rotherham away and Huddersfield away would have been quite disappointing, I think, to say the least. So to just get away from the John Smiths with three points, regardless of how it come, I think it's a massive result with Coventry coming up. So as crazy as this football club is, and as much as we just don't make sense at times, I'm just delighted we got the win last night by hook or by crook. So we're just weird. Yeah. Middlesbrough Football Club is a weird team. But it's a weird thing to love. Dana yes. Van Bormel, what, what, what's your one key <laughs> take? <that>. Really? 
Honestly, it's literally the same takeout as Matt's. That football is such a funny game because I mean, I didn't watch the Huddersfield one. I did, I did a little bit in the car on the way back from Leicester, visiting family at Christmas. And by all accounts, we played decently well in that game, well enough to win, and then we lose because, of course, we concede a very Borough esque goal. I mean, for God's sake, how many of these are we gonna like, Matt? Your little compilation is gonna be into like the hours, isn't it? By the end of the season, I think, in terms of how long it lasts. <clears throat> but yeah, and then we we play really poorly against Huddersfield to get the results. So it's just yeah, football is is funny. Mm. Yeah, and I would say. Probably to round it off, I was like, mine's probably, I can't wait for Chandra to come, to be honest. Uh, I'm very interested to see who we bring in and permanence or loans. But I think, if anything, the the game against Rotherham and against Huddersfield probably highlighted more and more the need for a, a proper centre-forward to finish our chances. You know, we'll speak probably about the front four and, and Corburn in just a moment. But I just think we need a bit of quality there. And I know the Rotherham game, it was just the... I would say probably a fluke that we, we lost a, a very FIFA-esque type of game. Um, our remote would have went straight into the TV if that was uh, if that was me on, on FIFA. But um, it was just, yeah, I think it was, I, I'm, I'm desperate for a, a striker or someone who can just tie it together. But saying that, I thought Rogers again, playing well in, in, in creating opportunities. And he is now our leading goal contributor in, in 12 now. So it's fantastic for him. But... I want to chat about Huddersfield because I'm going to completely ignore Rotherham and, you know, Corburn and Housen gave Borough the win. It was dramatic. It was fun. It was wet. It was just had everything apart from sending off. Um, but obviously, Crooks was injured and Dykes still went off, but are reportedly injured, but we don't know yet. Nothing's confirmed. But if it was, that's 11 players out with injuries off to the Asia Cup. And then AFCON is, is happening very, very soon as well. Um, but Matt, how would you assess Borough's win yesterday? It was a big, big win. Borough moving from 14th to 9th and that obviously from 6th to 15th is very, very tight at the moment. Um, but how would you assess the performance yesterday? It wasn't great, was it? I mean, it was um, it was tough to watch at times. I think we, we looked a little laboured, a little tired. We had plenty of possession but didn't seem to do anything with it. It wasn't really clicking up front either. It just looked like it was going to be one of them days. It looked like for me, I was watching the same game happen as I did Rotherham, except we well, we did miss actually probably one chance that was equal to the four we missed against Rotherham. But it, it seemed very similar in terms of that we just didn't have our shooting boots on and there was an inevitable sucker punch coming. So I think the performance was was poor, but the result was absolutely huge. So regardless of how tough it was to watch at times, the three points is absolutely massive. And I think we weathered a decent spell by Huddersfield in the second half, scored, I think, at a very important time with Josh Corburn. I think the the house and goal could be a could be quite a big moment, actually. You know, I, I know there's been a lot of comparisons to the Grant Ledbetter moment, which of course led to us beating QPR back in in the promotion season, which obviously was a huge moment as well. And I'm not saying it's going to be as big as that, but I think just seeing the reaction of the team at the end, how much the win meant to them, of course. They're a very depleted squad. From what Carrick was saying after the game, you can't keep playing the same team over and over. So I'd imagine they are running on low at the moment. So to just get this result over the line against a very awkward opponent is massive for me. So I'm going to let the performance go and just be really, really happy that we've got three points. Uh, and, and you, Danny, you, you made the trip down to John Smith's as well. You were you were there in the flesh. You've seen Trotters miss in the flesh. And Aww. also, 
you had the scenes as well. So how was the, the trip for you? Yeah, it was really good. Didn't I say to you, it's Borough Win and some scenes. And that is exactly what we got. It was really good. I haven't been to the John Smith Stadium since that lead bit game where he scored that unbelievable free kick and then won the game towards the end with a penalty. So it's been about 10 years since I've been there. It is probably one of my favourite grounds in the championship just because of its individuality and character. Like it has a concourse with absolutely no roof on it. It is outside. And even that, when it's torrential rain as it was yesterday, it's not the best, but you know it's significantly better than some grounds in the in the Yorkshire region. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. It was absolutely freezing. I swear to God, I've not been that cold at an away end since I went to Doncaster in... I think this was like 2014 as well. We drew nil-nil. It was the worst game I think I've ever seen. And it was freezing as well. So it was like not the one. But yeah, the the Colburn goal, actually, if you look back at the highlights and listen to the reaction, it takes about five seconds for the Borough fans to start celebrating. And for me, half of it was like, well, I've just seen that Jones miss. Surely we're not going to score. I know he's lofted the ball over the keeper, but some external force is going to stop that ball from going into the back of the net. Like alien Mr. Burns is going to spawn and all of a sudden save the day for Huddersfield or it's going to clip the post or it's going to go wide or their keeper's going to respawn right in the position to be able to save it. Like I, I thought this ain't going in, even though it's literally gone over the goalkeeper. And then part of me was like, it just looked weird from obviously where we were. And we needed like celebratory confirmation to then initiate celebrations ourselves. So that was a bit odd. It's the second away game that that's happened actually, because at Portville, when Johnny Housen loops that ball up, it looked like it was going over. So there was an, a delayed reaction there as well. So it kind of ruined the celebrations a little bit. Made up for it absolutely by Johnny Housen's goal that won the game. I mean, football can only deliver emotions like that where you win the penalty and I'm like yes get in and then my dad next to me is like well we haven't scored it yet and then we miss it and I'm literally I've got my fist in my mouth in frustration like I'm surprised I didn't uppercut myself in the roof of my gob to be honest cursing the sky the fact that we didn't score that and then to have that jubilation moment it's very odd that 40 seconds of just up, down and up again, it was, yeah, it was, but unbelievable scenes. And I, I jumped so much that I think I ascended and sat on top of the moon at one point. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. And obviously when Corbin pulls ahead, it was like a big, big moment for us. And then I think for, for, for them to peg us back a little bit, it felt for me, I was like, oh, for goodness sake, here we go again. We've dominated, I would say, in certain areas. You know, we haven't held on to a lead. They've scored up from outside the box again. And it was quite poor defensively from us. And then that character to come back and, and win the game was was massive for us. But then before I, I come on to like the front four, I do need to ask, you went to the John Smiths, you had your hot dog, but did you have a pint <laughs> of John Smiths? Oh, who do you think I am, Johnny? I am a gin drinker and that's pretty much it. But don't get me on the vodka because if you get me on the vodka, I will start all sorts of chants like at Playbrew that one time before yeah. the uh, start of the season. <laughs> I thought that was gin um, as well. I thought it was gin as well, but no. Hey. To be fair, it was. It was gin and it was a lot of it, but vodka absolutely accelerates me getting drunk, so do not give me vodka lemonade. But no, I did not have a John Smith's. Oh, Is there a joke in there somewhere that I'm missing? No, no, no. It's just, you know, you go to the John Smith Stadium, I feel like it's just kind of, you just you just go to John Smith's. It's like, it's like no, the, it's like when in Rome kind of thing, you know what I mean? So when, yeah, you, when you're no. there, you're there, isn't it? 
But speaking of, of John Smith, the front four for Borough, um, it's yesterday, you know, when we had Silvera up top, and that actually has no reference at all to go with it. Um, Silvera <laughs> up top, uh, Jones, Rogers, and Sam Greenwood as well. Obviously, it changed again during the game, but we've seen more of this front four, and obviously, Silvera goes away to the Age Cup now. Uh, but what was our thoughts on not playing with a recognized striker, Dana? Because we originally seen it was very fluid, people getting behind, you know, we were seeing that rotation between the team and it was causing, I would say, West Brom a lot of problems. And we've seen against Rotherham, we've shown similar signs. Rotherham didn't really seem to work as well. Um, but now we've seen more of it. Would you still like to see that type of forward line in the future? Well, when you asked me about it a couple of podcasts ago, I said, I like the idea of it, but I'm not necessarily set on that quartet of players. I think if you put Latte Lath in there, that it might be a little bit better only because he's just a general nuisance. And I think he's the type of striker to make it stick, at least in how he plays. He's not a stick man, as they call Josh Corbett, and he's not going to be the type of player to necessarily be a target man per se, but he's the type that I think will just allow pressure to be alleviated a little bit because of his movement. I don't think we quite got that from Silvera. So I think it might work better with Latte Lath. But yeah, Silvera just, he, he didn't have the the nous really, which is understandable because he isn't a striker. So at points it will quite obviously fall flat. But I like the fluidity. I like the interchanging positions, but I think it might work better with Latte Lath. Not so much Corbin, because let's be honest, you're not going to see Corbin play right wing at any point, are you? But with Latte Lath, I think he can. Well, yeah. I mean, Dale Fry put in a one hell of a cross against Sunderland. So is he a winger? We could maybe play Dale yeah. Fry there. But the interchange position, I think, is an idea. I think is is good. It has potential. But I just I wasn't sure on that front four going forward. So I'd like to see it with Latte Lath in there because I think he could pick up different positions on the pitch and I think he could probably do a better job with that. His movement is, is very clever. Yeah, Matt, obviously Corbin came on, he scored, it gave Borough a different dimension. So how do you feel when, when you see Josh Corbin at top versus like the, the front four that we've we've been seeing over the last couple of games? Um <clears throat> it's a tough one really. I think like Dana said, I like the fluidity and it can cause teams problems. For me I'd still like to have that interchange fluidity in behind a striker. So whether it's the, the the three in behind that could cause that problem and we still have that sort of focal point up top. I think for me, it does say a lot that regardless of why Colburn come on that early, if it was a, a for an injury for Dyke Steele, it was a blessing in disguise because I don't know if Silvera would have made that run or whoever else was was up top at that point would have made the run that Josh did. And the finish was was pretty clever as well, just dinking it over the goalkeeper. I mean, I, again, I don't know if it's just because I've seen Silvera and Greenwood and the likes miss some absolute stinkers of late. I just <laughs> can't envisage them finishing that. I just I just see them swinging a foot at it and it hits the keeper or it hits the side netting or something. So I think it, it it was it was good to see Coburn in that position make that run. It gives Rogers the opportunity to play that ball in, knowing that that Coburn's going to be there and and the finish was very very good. So. I don't I don't want to hang my hat on Josh Coburn being the man up front who's going to deliver the goals for us. And I probably wouldn't hang my hat on Lath doing that either. But like Dana said, he, he does cause chaos. So I'd still like that fluidity in behind a striker. 
who is a little bit more prolific. And Coburn, and if he does stay, if we get a new striker, he might go out on loan, I don't know. But him and Lath can still come on like the like Coburn did yesterday and contribute. Lath could come on and cause chaos at the end of the game, stretch a defence later on. But for me, yeah, it's they're doing the job for now, but I would still like to see the fluidity in behind a more prolific striker, which hopefully we could we could get in January. I do think Silvera was to a degree bright in parts yesterday. And I don't know whether that's an unpopular opinion, but I thought on the wing, it was when he was on the wing and when he took on their fullbacks one-on-one. I actually thought during the game, we don't have a 1v1 threat because every time Jones gets it, it goes back to Dykesdale. I think Jones is more for those combinations, those one-twos getting behind. Whereas I think Silvera has the dribbling ability and you know what he was described as a live wire and the pace and I think the skill set to be able to run at a fullback, which is maybe what we missed yesterday. But he was the one that was at least trying to offer that, which is why I thought he was a bright spark. I mean the game kind of lent itself to players that were performing slightly better to be immediate bright sparks. But at this potential in Silvera, he's frustrating. Please, I don't want to see him shoot anymore. No more shots, Sammy. Like, get one-on-one with your marker, and I think we'll probably see more from him. I was going to say on on the shooting side of things, then I wanted Millsborough to shoot more in, in that first yeah. half. There's a couple of moments where Just Dan not Balassi, Silvera. No, the the the, bot, the the gap open up for Dan Balas just just to whip it and um, mm. he just didn't and he played it back and I was like oh Dan just fucking show please <laughs> um, and I was like I was like just like wanted to shake my television just going ah um, <laughs> but <laughs> very frustrating but I was going to say on the couple of points that you've both mentioned around like the players who, who played that system I thought um, I thought Coburn yesterday was bright and I know I know you're saying there uh, Matt you can't hang your hat on him and I don't think you can. But what I would say is I don't think you can knock Corbin for coming in and getting a few goals to get us through to January. And I'm I'm quite happy with that. And, you know, I think statistically, when you look at these like data points in, in football, which is, you know, you combine them both, like the, the eye test and data. I, I don't think Corbin will ever come up good in those figures. I think sometimes yeah, I think that doesn't help him too much. But when you watch him, I still quite like him. I think he's just a bit of a nuisance caused a bit of havoc. But is he someone that will get me 20 goals this year? This year, And we say this because no, no striker bar Akpong hit 20 goals since Bernie Slaven. So, it's, I mean, it's a very rarity in, in Borough's uh, aspect. But I think for me, like, Corbin has is, is done enough um, to be around for the rest of the season. Um, do I think we can hang our hat on him? Probably not. I don't think he's just as good as it. But I think he's been a, a good stopgap for what we've had right now. And go on and do go on and develop even further. Come on and still be effective in games. I think he's he's very very good in in terms of causing a bit of problems for for a defense. Um, so good on the eye test, but I think uh, which sometimes doesn't help players. I think sometimes that. But and most players out there in the window, I tweeted yesterday about Tyrese Campbell. I'd like to see that if we were to be able to get him in. There's always that rumor about Bamford coming back, which I don't really go for on a loan deal, which I probably wouldn't do. And you know, there's there's players that we could potentially bring in. But I think overall, I was quite happy with how we played yesterday in, t- in spells, in, in very brief spells, and very said br- uh, brief spells, <laughs> brief spells. Moment. This could be, Clutching. yeah, gotta be, I gotta be uh, happy with some elements. But we, what we did see yesterday was character change system during a game and we've not really seen that much since he since he's came in we move more well talk about phases really where we say oh we're in a four two three one order in this you'll tend to see maybe like a team move like through multiple phases in games anyway and what i was seeing yesterday was that 
when we were defending, it was a 5-4-1. Then when we had the ball, it was like when we were like on that transition, it was like a 3-4-2-1. And then when we were in like possession, it was that it was back to that 3-2-5. It was just interesting to see how we were able just to tweak things a little bit. But why why do you think we did change it, Dana? Because I would say we were fairly comfortable at mo- in moments, but with that 5-3-2 uh, low block that Huddersfield were playing, it did create a couple of problems for us, didn't it? Well, I think what caused us problems the most was Sorba Thomas. Mm. You talk about players that we could target. I know you were talking about strikers there, Johnny, but I think Sorba Thomas is one of those that whenever he plays against us, he's a threat. I think Boris should probably actually look at players that are performing for poor teams or performing for underperforming teams. So he's one that I think Boris should maybe look at, to be honest. He's got an unbelievable delivery and just always passes the eye test against us. Now, if he miraculously signs for us, he's probably going to be shit because <laughs> it's just the borough way. But I think he was the biggest problem. We did come under significant pressure in that second half after they scored. And of course, it was the centre half that scores from outside the box. Why wouldn't it be? Obviously. And yeah, so I think their tails were up. They got a few corners. They got a lot of joy down their, uh, their flanks and down our fullbacks. So I think it was difficult up against Sorber Thomas in particular. So Borough needed to stem that tide and putting on Clark for Greenwood. I actually thought at the time, looking at it at surface level point, he's taken off an attacker for a defender. To be fair, Greenwood did nothing. And we need to have a conversation about that because he's about as ineffective as it gets in terms of his performances. And then he goes and scores. So like fair play on that, but I want to see more from Sam Greenwood in terms of his general displays. But then I got it because after that, I think it put the play back in Borough's favour a little bit, whereby, yeah, they were still probably getting down our, our right side. But we had Clark there, Rav Vandenberg there and Dale Fry there that were doing enough to to kind of keep them at bay. So, and I thought Rav Vandenberg was fantastic, to be honest. So when, we, when it comes to praise of play, spoiler, yeah, he's going to be in it. But yeah, I think it just... As I said, it stemmed the tide. I think it stopped them from building any further momentum because it did look like when they got that equaliser that they were the team that were going to go in and, and get that second goal. And to add to that as well, I would say that system change was to dominate that central area as well. When you've seen how Huddersfield were playing in that first half and how they were trying to to take advantage of Borough's space when we were getting the ball forward. I think what Borough were very, very good at the second half were when we did make that switch, it was nullified the bit where they were able to get in the transition because we had enough bodies. We had like six players pretty much in that little box area in the centre of the pitch. Play real, get bodies in behind. And you force them into wider areas. And I think that's probably the reason why they put Huddling on towards the end just to see if they could maybe create a little bit of something. But when you've blocked that much area and you just create a certain bit of wide space, you're so far away from the goal, it's really difficult to create opportunities unless you've got a really good crosser of the ball and maybe in Sub Thomas as well. So I thought it worked quite well. Um, but it was interesting to see why we, we changed it. But I think it worked and you know, we went on and, and won the game. I also, just quickly want to mention Riley McGree played very, very well when he came on. Such a shame that he's going to the edge of cup. Why are you going, Riley? Why? Yeah, um, anyway, lovely, lovely footballer. So good to yeah. watch. He is, isn't he? And I'm going to miss him. So mm. he could just fake like a, an injury, like, oh, he could do a Danny Ayala. And just I've seen what I've <laughs> seen earlier. He got a red card, came back. 
and then got another red card, and now he's got injured apparently. Uh, what did you so, used to call him, Johnny? Uh, I used to call him a liability, a ticking time bomb. No, a ticking time bomb. Ticking time bomb. Never forgive him, honestly. Never forgive Danny Ayala for the playoff final, and just a nightmare, you know. Just didn't want to play between November and February, and you can't do that when you're a footballer. But anyway, so moving on, Dana, Johnny Housen, you know, someone who does like to play between November and February, um, <laughs> has now played over 300 games for Middlesbrough. Um, you know, courtesy of Sean Wilson giving us that stat, but his penalty miss, the goal, it was shades of Ledbetter, but what I liked most about that was the celebration of it. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what you want to see more of the team, where everyone comes together and celebrates as, as a group and shows that, like, that real togetherness and spark that we've got? Yeah, it's good to see moments like that. And to be honest, when the goal went in, I registered that it was Johnny House, and then I saw his celebration, and I was like, eh, surely not. That's an imposter. That's not Johnny House. And it's, you know, like the the SpongeBob episode where Mr. Burns has a tash, so it's a completely different... SpongeBob um, episode where Mr... Did I say SpongeBob? Sorry, I meant Simpsons. That's another word. That's another... (laughs) I was gonna say you said, you said Coburn tied the game earlier, and then I would talk SpongeBob and Simpsons, like you know, like what was Simpsons the one that you said before? Harry Potter and the Wizard of Oz. Harry Potter and the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I've only been on the cork, not that type. of <laughs> Excuse me, the drink. What the hell? That explains it. Based on the hard stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, God, you can tell it's the end of the year. Yeah, on that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns gets a mustache, so it's a completely different identity. I thought. You know, usually Johnny Housen's the stick a knee out and then fist pump kind of guy, but then he full on celebrates this, and you can tell he absolutely loves it. But what I love the most about this is if you look back at the celebrations, you can just see Jonathan Woodgate, and I had to look back, I had to slow it down and watch it like 10 times. He's wearing an area hat, so you can't really see him initially. He is absolutely loving that. I don't know if Jonathan Woodgate loved that more than Johnny Housen did but it was a really good moment an unbelievable knee slide as well by the way it gives it some welly and I just really love to see that but yeah Jonathan Woodgate went absolutely off it yeah and it could potentially be a knee slide club-esque knee slide yeah but I'll leave that to the viewers in the, in the listeners you know I think if if they want to go on our YouTube video and watch the knee slide we'll even put it on our socials if need be but the bit, does, does he deserve to be able to put the results in next week? But someone who should have done a knee slide um, and didn't because they missed from about a yard. Matt, talk to me. How's Jones missed? How has he missed from there? I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of every possible logical reason as to why. And the only logical reason I could come up with was he plays for Middlesbrough Football Club. <laughs> that was the only reason. I was trying to think of something like like some physics behind it. Like, you know, some people online were saying, well, he lost his balance and others were saying it's wet, which well, apparently if, if, it's, if it's wet, then suddenly players can't even make contact with a football. Um, but no, I, I honestly cannot think of an, ex- of an excuse. I just feel like he just has to get anything on the ball. As long as it's not his hand or his arm or wherever the hell the line is now that counts as handball, the sleeve or whatever, he just has to get anything on it. I don't care if it's his back. I don't care if he throws himself at the ball, if it rolls over him or hits his shin, his calf, his ass. I don't care. Just get anything <laughs> on the ball, anything. And it's beyond the, the defender. And for him to just not even make contact with it, it's almost like it, it it stopped and went in slow motion after that. Like the ball was just slowly heading towards 
was going to get just disbelief thinking, how is this happening? So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to jump on Jones too much because, you know, it but had we not won that game, I mean, I don't know how, how he would have ever recovered from that. I do I do honestly believe he would have went to Rockcliffe the morning after and, and found the door locked or something. They won't let him in. My only explanation is he plays for Middlesbrough Football Club and only a player from Middlesbrough Football Club could miss an open goal from two yards out. He was listening to you there, Matt, because he's absolutely booted your Wi-Fi a bit. <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. Yeah, that's it. He's, uh, he's interacted with my Wi-Fi and took me down. <laughs> I mean, we got. I would say I got most of it. I would say I got most of it. I don't know what you're doing. I got 95% of it. Um, yeah, he plays for football club. That's it. He, mm. he plays for football club. That's why he missed. Only we would miss that chance from there. Yeah, and look, he did, he did everything right. You know, chipped the keeper. It was in. It, and it, it spins a little bit, but it's like, you, you got to you just finish it, please. Oh, just, just touch just finish it. it. I, yeah, just I can't. Can I, kick I, it. Just kick get it. Anything on it. Oh. Anything on it. Any body part, yeah, get some up behind. It's it. one, and look, it's it's easy to like you know you can go out and you can slay players, and I'm, we're not slating Jones here. It's just the case of how, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like how, and look, it is what it is. Thank God we won. Yeah. Thank God we won. Oh, oh yeah, do, yeah. Thank God we won because I I would have been very upset. There would have been. I would have been at uh, Greenwood's and Jones's house with uh, Pitchfork's probably this week uh, with the amount of misses that the that has. But it is what it is, you know. It's football. They score sometimes, they don't other times. And it's twice now I've seen a Borough player miss from about a yard out at Huddersfield. Uh, Ashley Fletcher was one. And now I've I've seen Isaiah Jones, uh, both at nil-nil as well and both at that goal. So maybe that goal is actually cursed. Speaking of curses, uh, let's move on uh, now to the prison place. Ah, yes, the praise and players. The only place I like to give praise uh, to a player, a coach staff member, the Bora fans, uh, the person who got your secret Santa, Matt's hair and Dana's lovely jumper that she got from Teesside. Um, there you go, Dana. I'm giving you a little Teesside, Tom, a little push as well. Uh, Dana, as I said, uh, speaking of, of curses, no, the Malt curse, you, you <laughs> praise and players, the next thing you know, <laughs> the curse for, for affinity. <laughs> but who are you going to go for this week? Who was in your praise and place? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, I'm gonna put Rav Vandenberg in there for his performance. I think Rav Vandenberg, honestly, is signing of the season. I did previously think that Senny Dieng was, and I think there's still a case to be made for that. But <sighs> Rav Vandenberg is absolutely fantastic. He's outperforming Dale Fry at the moment, in my opinion, and he's just improving game on game. So fair play to the recruitment team for bringing him in because he seems like an absolute diamond at centre-half. I think he was solid enough at right-back, but he's just, he's so good at centre-half. Like, he's so commanding and mature in his performances. And it's kind of that intangible feeling of you feel, or at least I feel safe with Rav Vandenberg at centre-half. So I think he gets in there. And then I want to praise Tom Glover because previously I've thought he's been a bit suspect there's been a few iffy moments in cup games. I remember against Bradford, he he went to claim a cross and then absolutely he dropped a he dropped the ball. And I think they could have probably should have scored from it. I think we managed to block it, but I think Tom Glove is improving. He's making some good contributions. Obviously, he got rounded too easily for that Karoma chance, which we got let off with massively. Bangura coming in field and then not releasing the ball is always a bit of a red flag, but. You know, he came up really big with a save in the first half from, I think it might have been Sober Thomas. And he's just making good saves that I think will build his confidence up. And obviously he's going to be our keeper now with Senny Dieng at AFCON. So I just want to give him some praise as well. And Morgan Rogers for that assist that we haven't mentioned yet, but the ball over the top was really good. And he is a creative player that is creating. So it's good that we have somebody that we can say is creative, but is also actually creating and it's coming up clutching games. So yeah, three players there in my praise and place this week. Yeah. So I'd say Glover gets in mind. I think his distribution is excellent, by the way. Maybe something I didn't mention that dinner, but while we're seeing more and more of, of him again uh, against Huddersfield and, and a little bit against Rotherham, that distribution was, was spot on. It's exactly where you want it to be. And I think it's really positive for that. I would say Rogers too. I think he was really, really good as well. I'll probably say those are my two really out, but maybe I'd probably put Housen in there for coming back as well and, and doing a bit of shit housery and, you know, and <laughs> shush, a little bit of shushing and a little bit of dancing and a little bit of, you know, knee slide and all the works. He didn't know what to do himself. A gangster is what um, mm-hmm. Neil Madison called him. I don't, I don't think Neil Madison's seen many gangsters these days. Um, but Matt, <laughs> um, who, who are you going to go for? Who's in your present place? It's hard to disagree. Um, I think I think Glover definitely deserves to be in there. Um, he also made a really good save in the second half. I think it might have been Karoma who's, who cut inside and um, was going to put it in the far corner. And I'm sure I recall yeah, Glover. That was the one. Yeah, he, he turned it round the post. I mean, that was a really good save. And also, I think for Glover, the fact that he has 
lost out on a position in the Australian national team in the Asian Cup, and yet two of his colleagues are going there. I can imagine for you know for a player is quite disheartening to see that you've missed out on that opportunity. So I think for him to have the character to just crack on with his job at Middlesbrough, take his chance while he's got it, and put in the performances he's doing, I think deserves real credit. And especially for me, who loves Senny Dieng to the moon and back, I'm more than happy with Tom Glover to be our goalkeeper for the next month and a half or whatever it is. So he deserves praise, I think. Um, and I'm also going to give it to Johnny Housen because, again, I think missing that penalty, following it up with the goal, his celebration. I mean, I'm just loving this new this new reincarnation of Johnny Housen. You know, he's he's been an absolute shithouse to home crowds. He's doing Fortnite dances at the Riverside. I mean... <laughs> You know, it's like he's just got a new lease of life and I'm absolutely all for it. So I'll, I'll probably stick the, the new version of Johnny Housen in there as well. Yeah, he's really rallied, doesn't he? He's really rallied. He's like that, you know, he's like that dog that's going to die very soon, but it's not the point. They all have that, they all have that, that peak of, you know, the rally again for maybe another year. And then it's a, it's a slow end. And I would say that's where Housen is in his playing career. Um, Plays until he's like 46 and absolutely just ignores my comment and borrow keeps being in one year contracts. Um, yeah, he's lifting the league cup. Here forever. He's lifting the league yeah, cup is, in yeah. February. 100%. He is. It's one way to do it. It's one way to go out, you know, like just one way to retire. Just go and lift the league cup. Um, just do that. That'd be great. But let's move on. Let's move on to, to Coventry now, where uh, Borough are set to face uh, the Sky Blues and looking for the first time to, to beat them because we haven't beaten them in five games now. So it's coming a bit of a bulky team here. But um, we spoke to Mark from All Things Sky Blue to hear about Coventry this season. Hi, this is Mark from uh, All Things Sky Blue. Um, this is my uh, preview for the Middlesbrough game uh, on uh, New Year's Day on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, season so far um, started fairly slowly. Um, obviously picked up our first win against Middlesbrough, but then we went on a didn't win our next game until end of September against QPR. Uh, Formation-wise, he started the season with the same formation that um, got us to the playoff final last season, where he played uh, a three-four, one-two, or three, yeah, or three-five, three-five-two um, formation, which didn't really work because although I just felt the personnel um, didn't really fit that well into the system um, and yeah we obviously we've had a lot of uh, signings um, a lot of players coming in coming out um, obviously notably Vitz uh, Jokerez and, and Gus Hamer um, and it took a while for the players to settle in uh, whereas now he's changed it now to sort of a four you know four three three or a four five one formation um, which has, has been very successful. We've only lost um, one game the last, say, seven or eight games now. Um, that was at Ipswich Town. We're obviously doing very well this season. Um, and that's, that's probably worked well because the sort of midfielders, Jemmy operates Sakamoto and, and Hachi Riot on the, on the flanks, and they tend to track back and play defensively as well. So double up and help out... Um, Jake Bidwell and um, Van Ivac um, in the fullback position, so it, it makes it harder for to teams to to sort of um, you know create chances through the, through the wide positions. Um, in terms of the uh, January transfer window, I think for me 
the most important signing for, for us is, is actually signing Callum O'Hare on a new contract because he's out of contract after the season. So that's that, if we can keep hold of him, that would be a major boost. Um, Middlesbrough, um, obviously, as you know, have had um, some good and bad results this season at home. And um, I think in terms of prediction, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be positive from an away point of view. I think we can go there and get a result. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 Coventry City win. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. Uh, Dana, explain ex- explain the eyewear. You know, in the in the words of Neil Madison, put some dark and black glasses on him because he's a gangster. So I'm sporting some Johnny House and glasses. And uh, if you're on YouTube, I can't see a thing. So yeah, <laughs> I honestly can't see. That's 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 good to know. Um, please put your glasses back on, because uh, you can't see. Um, <laughs> oh no, I'm finishing the podcast um, with these on. But anyway, Coventry, um, you know they've been fairly quiet this season in terms of how they've started the, the side of the league. The underlying numbers are, are really really good for Coventry. Just things weren't really clicking the last couple of weeks. I would say the last month. Uh, I would say that Coventry have played really, really well. I think this aligns with Callum O'Hare and also moving to a back four, which is starting back four to four five one uh, system, moves to a four three three, and also when they are playing as well, they do try and play with that back three as well. So it's it's very, very similar. So the starting positions are slightly different from what they've had previously. And I think the the now they've played with a high wingers, which kind of suits more Hadji right on that on that left hand side as well, and Sakamoto on the right, and also gives Gordon enough space in the middle. But Callum O'Hare is that player really ties things together for them. And I'm really intrigued to see if he if he starts. He had a long layoff. Um, he's came back. He's looking really really good. We didn't play last night, of course, but I think he will uh, feature for them on, on New Year's Day. I was going to say what day it was, but I still have no idea. Um, <laughs> but that, guys, what what do we think of, of Coventry then? Because then. The box midfield that they did, you can still kind of see it in how the player is 4-4-1-1 at times. Do you think they may shift back to that back three, which nullified Borough so well in the playoff games? And I appreciate the start of the season, Borough were getting the grips of things. We should have really equalised with Silvera. We missed an absolute sitter on that day. It was never sure. a 3-0 game. But, you know, it was it was a result at the end. But what do you think they'll do, Coventry? Because since they've changed the system, had a new lease of life. Yeah, I think if you're Matt Robbins, you probably revert back to the formula that has obviously served them so well against us that's basically blocked us out. I think who holds the key to this game is probably Morgan Rogers because I think he's, there's more versatility in him than in Akpom last season. In Akpom, yeah, he could drop deep, he could take it forward, he could play Roman on those right side areas. But with Morgan Rogers, you can see him on the left, you can see him on the right, you will see him in central areas as well. So I think his fluidity and positioning and how he can pop up in different spaces could be quite important for us. So I think if Morgan Rogers plays well in this game, I'd be pretty confident that we can get something from it. But I mean, all respect to Coventry. I mean, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Coventry are every bit a Premier League team, and they are one of the best teams in the Championship. So I think that we will lose. And if you clock what I said about yeah. Rotherham in the yeah. last pod, you'll know exactly what I mean. Fair enough. Um, but they are a good side at uh, Coventry. I do think they'll get top six this year, which is interesting uh, to say. I think their numbers are really good. And I think there are a couple of players away. But they've, look, they've invested in, in a team. They use the Yokerez money uh, to, to really, really invest in that. Some of the signs, I would say, are questionable. But here we are. But Matt, what, what's your predictions going at the game? How would you feel about this one? I'm having to be really, really positive to see Borough getting a result. And even then, I'm at the logical 
side of me is thinking that this is going to be really, really difficult. I just, Mark Robbins is a manager who I just feel like he just, he knows the formula to get the better of a Michael Carrick for a side. And I'm hoping we might have learned from, you know, our recent meetings and we might be able to find a way through, but I'd be fearful of Coventry regardless, but they are in really good form. And I think they've got some really good players. I think Sakamoto's a really good player. O'Hare's obviously come back and has come into really good form. So I do worry. And I think looking at our recent head-to-heads, I think we've only won one of our last seven against Coventry. And I think we've only scored twice in that time. One was the the winner in the game we did win, which was Sparrow. The other was obviously Archer's equaliser at the end of last season. So... I'd I'd just be happy to see a score against this Coventry side, never mind win. <laughs> but I do think I I do think it's gonna be really, really tough. And we would have to put in a Leicester or maybe even West Brom level of performance, I think, to to beat them. So uh, I'm gonna try and put a positive spin on it and say we'll draw, but I do find it very, very difficult to see us winning and we are gonna to have to play a lot better than what we did against Huddersfield if we've got any hopes of getting a result against this Coventry team at the minute. Yeah, and I would say, look, it's it's their game probably to lose, I would say. I think with, with Borough's injuries that we've got, the lack of a centre-forwards and, well, say, obviously, if Corbin had played, but he's not fully fit, of course, you know, we've got Crooksy out. There's a lot of injuries that we've we've got and we're losing some really key players. So I think it's it's for them that we're near, near enough a full you know, full strength going into the game. They've got a couple of injuries. Kitchen being out is, is one of the, is the big one for them. But for me, I think they have to go in this game and attack, to be honest. And I think if they did, it opens space. And I, I'm very intrigued to see how they approach it. I think it'll be a different Coventry than what we played in the playoffs where they were a bit more defensive and try to really hold the box uh, midfield and dominate that. I think they might chop and change it ever so slightly um, against us this time around as probably, I would say, favourites to, to go and get a result here. But for me, I, I went on the All Things Sky Blue podcast and said 2-0 Coventry. I might say the same. I don't know. But look, it's Coventry's to lose, Borough's to gain. And I think we hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, get something from that. But guys, thank you very much for joining me, as always. The listeners and the viewers, thank you very much uh, for joining us, as always. And hope you've enjoyed our content in 2023, of course. We will be back after the Coventry game to assess the whole of 2023 in its entirety. But for right now, uh, this has been the last podcast of 2023, and this has been the World Breakdown podcast. And that was like a World in a pod. Up the World Breakdown. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.